Okay, welcome to Pro Mindset Podcast today. This is your host, Craig Doman. I've got a special guest, somebody I've known for a long time, Tony Velin. Tony, welcome to Pro Mindset. I appreciate it, brother. I didn't know you uh, stepped into the uh, the podcast world. How's it going? It's going pretty good, man. I think this is like 125 or something like that, and I've had a few Husker guys on, and who um, awesome. was on. He hasn't, it hasn't posted yet, but he was on. Okay. But so Tony is a former Nebraska Cornhusker black shirt, uh, former Denver Bronco Super Bowl champion. Tony's one of the very few people on the planet. And I would say there's probably less than a couple hundred people, maybe less, I don't know, maybe it's less than that, maybe it's more, that have actually won a national championship. We won a couple of them mm-hmm. and won a Super Bowl. So, right. Tony, kind of share with everybody your story that, you know, some people may know you, some people may be never heard of you. Um, kind of give, just kind of give everybody an overview of who Tony Velan is. Oh, do you want me to go back to the beginning? Uh, so, um, uh, Omaha kid, uh, Nebraska kid, and um, ended up, uh, you know, being a, a, a decent athlete. Went to a, a high school called Benson High School. Did well there. Got recruited by Nebraska. Um, went down to Nebraska, and we were there at kind of our pinnacle. Um, we had a great time. Kinda, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Until there's you know? another one, it is the one. Yeah, no, you're right. You're you're right. It's, it's been a long time. People people are hurting. That's for sure. Um, but there with the, the the you know the the amazing Coach Osborne. Um, there had an amazing time. Got a chance to play for three national championships, winning two. Uh, in 94-95. I'm fortunate enough to have gotten drafted to the Broncos uh, sixth round in 1996, played for them for two years, uh, Super Bowl championship in, in my second year, and then played one year in Carolina. Um, and then ended up coming back home and getting to the world of finance where I did financial advising for about 15 years. And then for the last year, I've actually been in the world of um, – community building. I work for an organization called the AIM Institute, and we are trying to provide tech opportunities for underserved populations. So I'm um, just trying to find a way to give back and, you know, I always like to lose, use my platform to be able to open doors to be able to do that. And you also still coach and do some things like that. So share uh, share what you're doing in that arena. Yeah. So I, I, I did some coaching in the past. I used to coach um, semi-pro football with the uh, Omaha Beef. I did that for about eight or nine years. And then I coached high school ball, um, Concordia High School, and then also Northwest High School here in Omaha. And I did that for four years. And the way I get my football fixed now is uh, myself, along with a number of other individuals and who've been in the, in the uh, football background, we do some stuff with a group called Warren Academy. And so we do uh, position-specific training for individuals who are trying to go to the next level in football. And we've been doing that roughly about – 10, 12 years, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And um, that, that is actually going really well. We've, you know, had, I can't tell you how many, you know, D1, you know, guys we got scholarships. We've had, I think, three individuals that actually played in the NFL so far. We've had a couple of national championships. Um, so we're, we're, we're at that point where, um, you know, people are really starting to pay attention. Uh, coaches are really starting to pay attention. And, and it's really paying off for the kids who generally don't get as much exposure if, if they, you know, in a smaller school. So, so that's one of the reasons why we do that as well. Well, Tony, <clears throat> I want to ask you about Nebraska. I want to ask you about Coach Osborne and all that mm-hmm. type of stuff. But I just, what's popping in my head is 
a handful of years ago, you were going to come out to our football camp in Colorado Springs, and you couldn't make it. And it was because you got shot. Oh, wow. So I just want you to hear how many, how many people I've never had, to my knowledge, I've never had anybody on my podcast that's been shot. (laughs) That's probably a good thing, isn't it? (laughs) That is a good thing. So I like, I like watching NCIS and all those kind of shows. So I'm seeing that kind of stuff all the time, but to have a real person on the, on the show, that's been shot. And it wasn't a good thing. I mean, it wasn't a good thing, but describe, just describe what happened. I mean, it was total innocent thing on your part. Yeah, no, it was, it was just a, a, you know, kind of a, a crazy situation. It was a, you know, just a random day. Um, I had finished working out and I was, you know, getting ready to go visit a friend. Um, that person wasn't home yet. So I wanted to grab a bite to eat. I grabbed some food. I was sitting in the parking lot, uh, my old school, you know, eating my food, uh, finished my food, went to the trash can to put my food away or to throw my food away. And as soon as I got back in my truck, to close the door, my window exploded. And so everything gets slow motion at that particular time. The window explodes. I hear boom, 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 boom. I feel something really hard in my shoulder. Now, mind you, I don't know what's going on at this particular time. It's just because it's going so fast, but I still feel something really hard on my shoulder. And, you know, I'm hearing these, these sounds. And then I look up and it's probably about a hundred feet away in the street, but I can see somebody that is in a car and they're aiming. And so, you know, it's, it's just this really crazy scenario because, you know, I've never been, I've never been involved in anything that would warrant somebody taking that type of action towards me. Never been in gangs. I don't, you know, I get along pretty much with everyone. So as this is happening, you know, part of my mind is like, how in the hell has this happened? Like, this is crazy. There, there should be no reason somebody's shooting at me. But at the same time, common sense kicks in too. And common sense is like, you might want to move, duck, bob, yeah, wait, get do, out of there, you know, baby. You know, do something, right? <laughs> so, um, so I, you know, kind of come to and, you know, I duck down, I, you know, start the car and I try to drive off. Um, I drive to the right and they're in the street and they end up going that way when I turn back to the left and I'm driving home. And at that time is, you know, it's happening so fast. I, I, I don't really even have time to be, you know, scared you know i just you know just react and then as i'm driving home i realize okay they shot my tires out too and so you know i'm driving and you know i can't go fast so if they turn around and they try to come get me like this is this could be it for me so that's when i really start to get scared but you know, i'm able to drive and at the same time i'm able to you know call the ambulance while i'm driving home and i was probably about a mile away from from where i actually live so i get back to my house and I get out, I park in front of my place, I get out and I'm getting ready to walk up the street. And then I look at the top of my hill and there's a car sitting there and it's just parked. So now I'm, you know, super scared. I'm thinking, okay, they, they follow me there. You know, I feel like I'm in a, you know, minister society or boys in the hood movie or something like that with his cars getting ready to come down. But luckily that wasn't them. You know, the car just drove by. I got into the house and the ambulance ends up coming in. You know, they end up taking care of me, end up having, Shoulder on my uh, surgery, on my shoulder. The, the bullet is actually still, you know, lodged in here. And I was extremely, extremely lucky. Um, the bullet hit off of my uh, the ball and socket joint. Ball and socket joint. It bounced off a rib that was in front of my heart and lodged itself up, you know, behind my collarbone. 
and they weren't able to get it because there's so many blood vessels in there. But so we're still in there today. But if it doesn't hit off of that rib, I'm, I'm not here. You know, and if and if any of those other bullets other than that first one hit me, you know, I'm not here. So it was just it was a really, really crazy situation. Um, they never found the individual. And, and to be completely honest with you, I don't think the the officers put in much work to, to find that person anyway. Um, I think it was just a case of mistaken identity. There would be no reason for somebody to to do something like that to me. Um, but, yeah, it was it, it was it was tough. It was tough. And, I, and I'll be honest for about that. For about a week, about a month after that, um, I was ready to wash my hands of North Omaha. I was ready to be like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm not living here anymore. I'm going to move out west. You know, in my mind, it was like, how could something like that happen to me when I've, you know, always tried to do the right thing, always, um, you know, tried to give back, you know, always tried to set good examples. And this is what happens, you know, in my own community, you know, and so, um, so that was, that was really difficult, but, Luckily for me, I came back to my senses and I realized that, you know, even though something like this happened, um, me leaving wasn't going to help solve the problem, you know. And so, you know, I wanted to make sure that I remained true to myself. And, and I've always been about giving back to community. I've always been about, um, you know, the youth. You know, I wanted to show them that there's better ways. And so about three months after that, I ended up joining the teammates mentoring organization. Um, to where now I'm, you know, I mentor kids and, and try to make sure that they don't take that route. Um, and I don't know whatever happened to that guy who ended up, you know, shooting me. Hopefully, you know, he changed his life or, you know, something positive happened, you know, after that. I don't hold any grudges anymore, but, but it was a crazy, crazy, crazy scenario. And I'm just glad I'm, I'm still here to be able to tell it. All right, Tony. So when something like that happens and nothing like that's ever happened to me, by the way, so I can't really identify with it. But I can, you know, as you were describing it, and I, I know you, and I know, you know, you're, you know, as good a dude as there is, and so it had to be mistaken identity. But you still had to have those questions in your mind, like, why me? You know, God, why? What's 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 the purpose? So now that it's been a minute, mm-hmm. when you look back, what good came out of that bad situation? What did you change in your life? How did you impact people differently? How did you how did you live your day differently? How have you changed your life in a positive way because of that? Well, and as a, I think the, the best good that came out of well, I think there was two things that came out of it. Um, you know, number one, I decided to, you know, get more involved. Um, you know, I, I had talked about mentoring in the past and it always been important for me to do something with kids. But it's always been just, you know, kind of speaking to them randomly um, and maybe coaching here and there, but not really getting involved in the kid's life. And so, you know, this really made me want to, you know, be more involved and, to, and just to kind of make sure that if if there are signs that somebody might be going on their wrong path, that, you know, I can be there to kind of help with that. Um, so there's that side of it. Um, number two, and I think a bigger thing was just making sure that this circumstance or this situation that happened to me in life didn't change who I was as a core person. It didn't change the core who, of who I am, right? You know, because I, I, you know, I'm always going to be that person who's, um, you know, good natured and 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 gives a damn about people and 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 cares as opposed to, you know, being angry, you know, being bitter, you know, putting my head in the in the in the sand and not helping to solve those type of problems, you know. So so that was, you know, those were the two things for me that that I got from it, and and it also just kind of reminded me, in, in essence. You know, obviously, you know, you know, all the injuries that I went through with 
with Nebraska and to kind of be able to overcome that to, you know, get those championships and, and to, to get those successes. You know, if I would have quit at that particular time, I wouldn't have experienced those successes. I think this was kind of the similar scenario. You know, you go through something hard and you can either, you know, bury yourself in the sand or, or go hide in the house or you can, you know, face it and say, I went through something and I got through that. And now I have a testimony to be able to share with other people. I have an experience that I can, you know, help people deal with moving forward. And I have a lot more empty now than I had in the past. Well, and just from the outside looking in, you know, being a champion and also being shot and being able to be successful, you know, in everybody's eyes, because you, you recovered from the from being shot and you have this history of overcoming injuries being a champion, people are going to listen to you more. Right. People right. care more what you have to say. Right. 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 And so you got to be really careful what you say because people are going to be listening. Well, no, that's true. That is true. That is, that is definitely true. But the plat, but that platform has always been there. Right. I mean, with, with the sports, you know, so and I was especially being here in Nebraska where, you know, Nebraska football is kind of everything, right. Even though we're not winning, it's, it's still, you know, kind of everything. And so, you know, I've always, you know, prided myself on being able to use that platform to, you know, give a good message, whether that's, you know, doing good in school, whether it's overcoming adversity, whether it's, you know, leadership thing, whether it's, you know, hanging with the right people, all these types of things that, you know, kids need to hear, you know, and, and, and a lot of times they're more willing to hear it from somebody with that kind of sports background. So, so I like to be able to utilize that for that and, and it's worked, worked well. Absolutely. Okay. So go back. Let's go back to Nebraska days. Yeah. And you came in as a highly touted quarterback, thinking you were going to be the next, you know, wishbone quarterback for Nebraska. Yeah. And that didn't work out, but you ended up being a, you know, all conference, all world safety. Mm -hmm. What did you learn? What, what have you carried with you for the last 25 plus years that you learned from Coach Osborne during those championship years? Mm, what if I carried um well I'll, I'll tell you I, I learned a lot um from coach and and one of the one of the big takeaways I, I I had from just being in this organization is that family is everything right I mean you know we, we come in and we all have these expectations of you know being world beaters and you know spotlight all on me um I think you know, one of the things that was really great about being in this organization was that, you know, he tried to let you know that this is about a team. You know, this is about a family. This can't be you first. If this is you first, then all those goals that we're trying to accomplish, it's going to be really hard to do that. And so he was a master at, you know, having everybody really buy into the vision, um, especially considering, you know, when we went there, you know, Nebraska was, was, was already a machine. You know, they were already, you know, 11 and one, you know, for probably 10 and 2, 11 and 1, you know, for probably 10 years prior, right? So, you know, to be able to get a number of guys to come in and say, and all have that mindset to say, that's not enough. You know, that's not enough. You know, he had that type of influence and, and that family, you know, atmosphere that that culture that he had built was, you know, was really ingrained in all of us that allowed us to be able to do that. And so, um, I will forever be eternally grateful for him. He is really, besides my father, probably one of the, I, I don't think I respect a man more than him, more than him. That's, that's for sure. Um, 
you know, that that being said, um, you know, some of the other things I learned is is you know, just kind of trust the process. Right. Trust the process. You got to put in the work. You got to be, you know, about your team. Um, you know, the success, in my opinion, is not. It, it hardly ever happens on accident. Right. I mean, you, you've got to kind of put yourself in a situation to be successful when, you know, taking information from Coach Osborne, the coaches, taking information from you, um, taking information from other mentors, um, adding that to a work ethic and kind of doing the right thing and, and being a leader allowed me to, um, you know, go to to the next level. Um, and so that's something that I continue to use, you know, and even in business today. Right. I don't try to do hardly anything by myself. You know, I'm always trying to you know, two heads are always better than one. Um, but I'm always trying to make sure that that, that work ethic is there, and that's that's not just about me. When it's when it's if it's just about me, it's not big enough. You know what I mean? But when it's about other people, um, then sky's the limit, and that's and that's just kind of what happened with us when we were at Nebraska. Okay, so let's go back to Tony Veland. If I'm not mistaken, did you wear number nine? Is that was your I did wear number nine, dude? Was really? Really, you're killing me, man. Yeah, you well, dude, eight, I'm getting old, bro. I can't remember all this stuff. How many people you had? I remember you. I was, I was in your. I watched you play, but man, it's been a minute. Okay, it has that been. Was a 1995, minute. right? Yes. Okay. All right. Shoot, man. Half the people listening to this care. weren't even born yet. Are you kidding me? Okay. So, what happened to Tony Velen during your time in college when you went in expecting X? And you came out getting why. Kind of share with with everyone what the X was and what the Y was, and then what was your growth and development from that experience? Well, I came in wanting to be the quarterback, right? They they actually wanted me just to be an athlete. They wanted me to be a defensive back right off the bat. Um, but I had a Shrine Bowl game right before you know I came in, and I actually did well in the Shrine Bowl. And so they were like, okay, well, we'll give you an opportunity. And, and I went in there, I think, just just with the right attitude. I, you know, I had a little bit of a a chip on my shoulder just because, you know, I felt like they had kind of their, you know, their heir apparent, their their favorite guy. And I knew I had some ability, and I and I just wanted to be able to prove that. So I went in there and I worked hard, and I, I you know, knew the playbook. Um, I was coachable. I think I did pretty much all the right things. Um, and I was getting a look, you know, I was getting a look. But at that time, as I was getting a look, there were always little nagging injuries, you know, whether it was ankle stuff or pulling muscles or I think my first uh, summer there I ended up having a scope on my my rotator cuff so that that had me out for a little bit so it was it was all these little knickknack things that were that were bothering me but far through all that after my red shirt year I had my red shirt freshman year Tommy Frazier comes in Tommy Frazier's the you know the heir apparent he's all everything um and you know they were just in essence supposed to somewhat give him you know, that particular position. But, um, you know, I was I was battling. I was battling. And it came down to the last play of the last scrimmage before our first game of that year, I broke my collarbone. And I was actually going to be the starter if I just not got hurt. So when that happens, Mike Grant takes over as quarterback. You know, he's going through. And then Tommy beats him out, I think, five games in, if I'm not mistaken. So, that year is pretty much over with. We go to the next year, spring ball. You know, we're competing against myself, Tommy, and Brooke Berenger. Um, we go to the fall. Tommy ends up beating us out. Me and Brooke Berenger code number two. Second game or third game of the season, I don't remember. Um, we're running out. We're playing North Texas. I run an option play. Come down the line. I cut up. Somebody pulls me a certain way. Blow my knee. 
All right. So when I blow out my knee, that was kind of a huge blow because you know, at that but at that time, you know, people weren't automatically coming back from knee injuries, right? You just you just didn't know. It was it was very kind of up in the air. And so I was like, well, hell, I, I bounced back from all this other stuff and I got this huge thing to deal with. Like that was that kind of put me in a tank, put me in a tailspin. And and I'll, I'll say that wasn't a real proud time in my life because I you know, started doing some stuff I shouldn't have done. Anyway, um, during this time, I ended up getting some letters from a young lady in uh, in Lexington. Um, and they're just, just kind of out of the blue. You know, I didn't know who this lady was, but I read the first one, didn't respond. She sent me another one probably about a week later. Um, I read that and the words in this in this letter, for some reason, it just resonated with me. It just, you know, some of the stuff that she was saying was making sense. And, and she basically just said, you know, you know, God is, is testing you, right? Like you, you, you've gone through some injuries in the past and I know you're going through some hard things now, but this is all in essence for you to become a stronger person. You know, she was in essence saying, look, it's, it's great for you to be strong in body, but you need to be strong in mind and spirit too. And God is allowing you to grow through something like this. And when she said this, I mean, it just made perfect sense. So I ended up reaching out to her, coming to find out that she had been writing Nebraska players for like four or five years before that, you know, she wakes up at four o'clock in the morning just to write these letters, just to encourage people. And, you know, when she, when I found out she did, I was like, this is like, this is amazing. Like I've, I've got to connect with her. She's, you know, this is divine intervention that she's actually, you know, ministering to me and, and it's reaching me, it's touching me when the stuff in my family, my coach wasn't, that wasn't really coming through. Um, and so she, in essence, that was my, in my opinion, that was the defining point of my college career because she allowed me to kind of turn the page, stop feeling sorry for myself and just get back to work, get back to overcoming this injury and get back to, you know, trying to be that athlete that I wanted to be, um, you know, when my, once my career was done. So, so I got back to work, um, you know, did the rehab and next thing you know, the next year comes around and I'm in a position to play, you know, my guy, uh, you know, your other client, Mike, you know, was behind him. He ended up getting, getting hurt. I get my opportunity and, you know, from then on, it, it, it just ends up working. And I, and I go from, you know, somebody who wants to play quarterback, wants to be the star guy to a guy who and a star guy and, and knowing that I would probably never make the NFL because I'm an option quarterback, you know, so that wasn't even a thought to somebody who's playing defensive back, who's prototypical and makes a few plays. And now I have a chance to possibly make it to, you know, the NFL. So, um, you know, things worked out so much better than I could have ever written it. I never thought I'd be playing for three national championships. I never thought I'd have a chance to go play into the NFL, but just, you know, following the process, overcoming adversity, you know, relying on those individuals around me to, to encourage me and, and, and give me, give me hope and, 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 you know, bless me. Like things have worked out so much better than I, than it possibly could have. So, so I'm, I'm just extremely happy that I was able to go through it and, and, you know, I think a lot of people curse when you go through bad things. Like, I, I'm so happy that I did because if, if I didn't, you know, I wouldn't have experienced those championships. I wouldn't have grown into the person that I am. Tony, the thing that sticks out to me in that just that story, and I didn't know that story about that um, woman that was writing you, is the encouragement, the hope, and the kindness yeah. of somebody you didn't even know right. was reaching out to you and touching you and trying to encourage you. Did you, um, have you stayed in touch with that lady? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lady's name is Diane Yider. You know, we've been the best of friends, you know, for these last 25, 30 years. As a matter of fact, I went out to Lexington. This was probably about three months ago. 
um, got a chance to see her and spend some time with her. So um, eternally grateful for what she's what she's been in my life. That is amazing. Wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Okay. So you are a mentor mm-hmm. and you're you have a platform. You're one of those Nebraska Cornhusker black shirt legends. You know, there's a handful of y'all from back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. What is the message that you give young kids today? And I'm talking about high school kids that could become like you, could go to the pros, could play big time football, but and maybe they got some talent, but they just don't know what it's about. They think it's easy. They think it's easier than than what it really is. Um, they haven't been through adversity yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe things going really, really smooth. <clears throat> but what is your message to people in that situation? Um, I think I think there's a couple things. Um, you know, number one, there's there's no substitution for the work. You know, I mean, regardless of you know how talented they are, um, they're going to go to a situation where you know there's going to be some people there who they want to have that same talent or even more, and you know, so you got to be able to put in the work and got, don't be scared to compete. You know, that's that's one of the big things that I, I like to share with them now, especially considering you know college has the whole transfer portal thing now. So it's you know if I don't find a situation that's completely ideal for me then then keep looking and i don't think that's i don't think that serves you know a lot of kids well for for future development you know so um so don't don't not be scared to compete to put in the work um also surrounding yourself with with good people like i think that's i think it's something that you know a lot of kids have a problem with because especially if you've grown up around you know certain people you know those are those are just your guys right even if they're not you know, taking you in the right direction is it's hard to kind of, you know, somewhat divorce yourself from them. And I'm not necessarily saying they need to divorce themselves, but I just think they need to kind of keep certain people at arm's length. Um, because sometimes, you know, those bad influences have a bigger influence on you than you rubbing off on them. And I think the last thing that, you know, a lot of these kids want to do is, you know, mess up their future because, you know, I just want to hang out with a guy and get caught up in something that, you know, they don't know how to, how to, to come back from. Um, so there's that. And then the other thing is, and, and, and this is really hard for kids to, to do. I learned so much more about football when I became a coach because I studied the game more. And if we can have some of these kids do that, you know, just, just be all in, learn the game, don't learn just your position, learn the game, learn the positions that are around you because it allows you to be so much more successful when you know what's coming, when you know the scheme, when you, when you know what to expect, you know, if they can do that, then they'll put themselves so much farther ahead of, of most of the other kids that are actually going um, in, their, in their position. And so, so those are the things I, I like to tell them. And then obviously, you know, just, you know, figure out a way, because this is my kind of my background, figuring out a way to overcome and persevere. Don't, don't feel like a victim if something bad happens to you. Don't, don't, you know, quit just because you may have an injury or two. Don't quit because the coach gets on you. You know, that is just life. You know, that is just life. And if and if they become a quitter, you know, if, if they quit now, then obviously it's easier for them to quit in the future. We don't want them to become, become those people. Right. You know, be, be, become people that overcome, be, become people who influence, become people who who will be leaders long term and, and leaders, you know, and that's overcome things. So 
So a couple of things, you know, I know I've talked about a couple of things, but a lot of times when I'm talking to kids, there th- those three or four things I definitely, you know, like to share that because I want them all to be successful. I'm going to regurgitate back what you just shared. You said no substitute for work. Yep. Don't be don't be afraid to compete. Uh, make sure you got good people in your tribe or in your you know homies need to be good people. Yep. Uh, really learn the game. Yep. Some of these guys are so talented they don't have to know the game in high school to still be right. good. Right. When we get to the next levels, you have to you have to know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and the last one might be the most important one, and that is when adversity strikes. How are you going to respond? Yeah. And I think that a lot of guys do really well until they hit that hurdle of adversity, and it it comes. Sometimes yeah. you get a couple of them really close together, and it's like, I think it defines you. I think of all those things. Like if you're a hard worker, that's great. If you're a competitor, that's awesome. You yeah. know your stuff, but the thing that defines you is how do you respond to the BS? How do you respond to it didn't work out like you were thinking it was going to work out or the injury right. or all those types of things? Right. Com- comment on that. Well, I mean, I, I, this is, it's just it's extremely important because you, you never know how this is going to come. Right. You never know what it's going to be. It could be an injury. It could be it could be school. It could be not getting along with your coach. It could be a family issue. You know, we don't have any control over any of that. But if you allow that to control you, then you're allowing the circumstance to, to pretty much dictate your fate. Right. And and I, I just, you know, for me, I wasn't going to allow that to happen. I think that I, I, you know, being on social media, sometimes, you know, things get so negative. But you can you can see a lot of that comes from people not you know determining their own fate, but allowing their circumstances to determine, you know, their happiness and the future and all those type of things. You got to take control of that yourself. You got to take control of that stuff. And it's easier to say that, you know, as I'm since I'm 50 now and I've been through a few things, you know, when you're younger, you you sometimes you think the world is against you. But, you know, that's not really the case. You have control over your life. But the easiest way to do that is to not let life control you. And so, you know, overcoming that burst will allow you to be able to do that. OK, let's talk about comp- competing. One of the things that I find is that guys don't like to compete. Nope. Coaches don't even like competition. You said when you went to Nebraska, Coach Osborne, who's a Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. all world, he knew who his guy was. Mm-hmm. And they really didn't want to have a competition. Right. And that's how football is. That's how sports are. Right. And so when you're not the handpicked person, you have a decision to make. I'm going to quit or I'm going to compete. Make it hard on the coaches. Right. Make, give right. them a tough decision. Right. You know, I, I've seen six. Power five quarterbacks, four of them starters, hit the portal in the yeah. last 48 hours. Yeah. They're all just bouncing. Yeah. It's it, like, it, hey, it, maybe it, I can get more is, money, more something, less of something. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it's, you know, the environment now is different, right? Because, you know, the transfer portal, you're not, you can leave and not necessarily get penalized, but then there's also nil money to consider, right? So, you know, those guys who have, have gotten some type of experience, they may be living to to search that out. But that is very few and far in between. If if you take 10 guys that go to the portal, I think you're probably going to have one or two that end up in a better situation. 
The other one is going to end up in the same situation or a worse situation because now you're going to a place where you don't know anybody. You got to relearn the playbook. You got to figure out a way to to fit into the system. And just because you go to somewhere else doesn't mean that they're not, they're not going to have talent too. You know, talent is everywhere. You know, so you can't just you know run from a situation just because it's not ideal. Like I, I think that is the biggest thing for me that I don't like about the transfer portal. If you don't have that, it makes you fight. It makes you compete. It makes you find a way to, if I, if I want to be on that team, I got to figure out how to do it. If that means working hard, that means working hard. It means learning more about my playbook. It means learning more about the playbook. You know, you got to be able to, to dive deep and say, hey, is this about you know me running away to find something easier? Or do I have that inner strength to, to make that thing happen where I'm at? And so, you know, for me personally, I always thrive on competition. You know, I, I when I went to Nebraska, I knew that, you know, we had some guys who were really, really good. But inside, you know, even though I'm not, you know, braggadocious, I mean, I have a little bit of ego and I, I felt like I was a good athlete. I, I, for me, I was like, this would be awesome if I could come to a team that's already 11 and one, already playing for conference championships every single year, has crazy talent everywhere. Just think about the badge of honor to say, hey, I broke in there. I became a starter. I made that team better. You know, that that was feeling enough for me. Some people don't necessarily have that in them, but I think that's something I need to you know pretty much build because that's the type of attitude that you need to take in any place you go to. You want to be able to come in, insert yourself and make that place better, regardless of who's there. And so I think if people you know learn how to, to really have that, man- that mentality, it'll take them really far in life. I think players today sometimes overestimate their value. And so when they hit the portal, they're thinking they're yep. going to get more than they're going to get. And right. some of them are secretly hoping that the team they're with, the school they're with, is going to come and give them a, you know, a truckload of money and say, hey, stay. Right. And they don't. And then half the guys that go in, I think it was like 73% last year, they don't go anywhere. Yeah. Nobody wants you. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> seven out of ten chance, you, nobody wants you. Right. So it's harsh, like, harsh why won't you just stay where you're at? Yes. Harsh, harsh, harsh reality. Yeah, so the, the grass is not greener. You're looking at a different yard. The yard you're going to is probably brown. I mean, it's, it's kind of is what it is, right? It's so, probably worse. Well, something that's very interesting about the portal is it allows you when things are not going your way just to hit the eject button. Yeah. When in life, whether you get married, whether you're working for a company, you have your own own company. You know, things don't, you have a bad quarter, bad week, bad year, whatever it might be. You can't, you just can't like get out. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not realistic. I mean, it's no, no, don't get me wrong. I know there, there are some positives in the fact that, you know, coaches can now find somebody in the portal that might be a little bit more experienced and not necessarily have to worry about just young talent. Now there's that, but at the same time, I feel like, the downsides are kind of what we're talking about. You know, kids don't have to commit. You know, they don't learn to develop. They don't learn toughness. They don't learn grit. They don't learn to overcome, you know, because there's always that door, right? So, so, but so if people are, I mean, kids are going through that. Um, I would hope, you know, if they, if they're making those changes that they finally realize, okay, you know, trying to find a better option is not necessarily the case. Maybe working through it and, and trying to figure out how to make it work around Matt is going to be a better scenario because it'll help them long-term in other areas of their life, not just, not just football. Absolutely. Now let's flip it to the coaches side. Mm -hmm. This is amazing for the coaches 
This is like better than pro football. They don't have three-year contracts. They got one-year contracts. You can get people everywhere. You can go go recruit people off other rosters illegally because people are doing it. You can right. go, you know, cherry pick guys from FCS. If you're a Power Five school, you can go get a low D one FCS kid that is good enough to to play at your place, right. and you can flip your roster like Dion did. Jeff Brom did it in, in Louisville, thirty-seven guys in one year. Right, right. That is true, which 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 is great. But there's also a flip side to that as well, right? That means if you find somebody, they have to come in and they have to be productive right off the bat. Like that, the, the development piece for a lot of that is is probably not as not as much there, right? You know, back in the day, you bring somebody in as a freshman or a sophomore, you know they're going to be there for at least three or four years. You've got time to develop, you got time to learn chemistry, you got time to to um, learn the playbook, all those type of things. And you've got some time to to make it all work. We don't have that now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you, you don't you don't have that you know quite as much. And so um, so I think that that also puts coaches you know kind of on the hot seat a little bit quicker because there is a talent out there. And so their higher ups are like, okay, we'll go find somebody and and be successful right now. You know, so so there there is a there is a flip side to that. And and the other side is is that also hurts you know some of the incoming freshmen. Right. Because now those coaches aren't necessarily looking for them to you know, come in and contribute right away because if I'm going to take a chance on a guy who doesn't have any college experience as opposed to somebody who has maybe two or three years and may be able to be productive right off the bat. So so it, so it is kind of a catch 22. Um, I know it creates you know some great opportunities for some people, but all in all, I, in my opinion, I think it's more negative, more bad than, than good. I think it is more negative. I think the the. You talk about the hot seat for the coaches. The the seat's getting hotter sooner yeah. for every coach. Yeah, because every administration and and pro, you know AD and everybody's going, hey, look what so and so did in one year. Why why you why right. you need four or five years to do it? Exactly. <laughs> and then the high school kids, instead of getting twenty five scholarships, they're getting roughly around ten. So every like I don't know what Nebraska did last year, maybe more than that, but it's like the average is roughly around ten. So these high school kids now are looking for prep schools, JUCOs. They got to right. go to FCS. Right. It's changed the whole landscape of college football. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's hard. All right, hard let's move over to more. Lincoln, Nebraska. Lincoln, yes. 2023. Yes. Missed a bowl game. Could have won <laughs> eight, nine games. A lot of positive yes. stuff going. Maybe hit that portal, baby. Go get about <laughs> three quarterbacks and see which one can play. It looked like the quarterback play was the deficiency this year in terms of. Oh, it was. It was. Was it? And, yeah. And it, and it's and it's so crazy because, like, I like I like rule. You know, I like what he's doing from a culture perspective. Um, but to me, the big downfall is, you know, you have a pretty good quarterback in Casey Thompson last year, who's not super athletic, but you know he can throw and he makes throws and he and he was good. And you bring in a quarterback for him that already has a, a, a bad turnover history. So I didn't really understand why he made that particular move. I, I get it. Sims is really athletic. You know, you want to have a um, a mobile quarterback to be able to, you know, do the dual threat thing, which which makes sense because it obviously, you know, causes problems for a lot of defenses. But how do you bring in somebody that has that type of history? 
you know, the, the, the you know, athletic ability means nothing when you don't have the ball, you know, and so it just didn't just didn't make any sense, you know, and so um, sort of bring him in, you know, give and I and you know I I understand it. You want to take a chance, you know, it is what it is, but I just think it was a bad decision. And then you have Harbaugh comes in, um, Harburg, excuse me, who comes in, and you know he's doing what he can, um, but I just don't know if. And I don't want to necessarily blame on the coaches. I don't know if it's you know they're not developing the quarterbacks enough to to read better or whatever the case may be. But the turnover bug has just been killing us all year. It's just just bad, you know, just really bad. And then end of the season, you bring in Purdy, who you know, to be honest, he Purdy didn't look bad. You know, Purdy was probably a little bit more athletic than they thought. Made some plays. Um, I know this last game against Iowa, you threw the pick at the end of the game. I'm not holding that much to him on that particular one um, because he just doesn't have a lot of experience and probably should have been throwing the ball to the sideline. You know, he's a young kid. He's going to make those type of mistakes. Um, but yeah, offenses go as your quarter, your team goes as your quarterback goes. Right. So if we're not trying to find another quarterback next year, um, then somebody will probably be on the hot seat. But beyond that, I think we've got some good things coming. I think our defense was really good, especially considering with Tony White being his first year, to to have a you know a unit gel that fast and and be that that good that quick is, has been amazing. Um, a lot of those guys are coming back next year, so they got a chance to be successful again next year. Um, if we could just get that offense right, then we might be okay. Well, from what I hear, people really like rule. They like the culture, yeah. so that's that's good for the players that might be thinking about doing what that linebacker did um, that went to the, uh, Michigan last year. Yeah. We, you know, you can't you can't afford to lose your best players. So Nebraska's right. got to hold on to the best guys, yep. and then they got to fix that offense. They got to fix the. They got to they got to bring in a quarterback that's a dude. They got to make sure their offensive line can do what it needs to do. And I think if they do that, I mean, and here's the thing: like I remember Ron Wolf did this with the Green Bay Packers one year. He's like, man, we need a corner. He drafted a corner with the first rounder, the second rounder and the third rounder. And the media was like, why are you wasting all these picks? Because I need to find somebody. <laughs> and then, you know, the Washington used to be Redskins. They drafted RG3 and, and Kirk Cousins one and two. It's like, that's what Rule needs to do. He needs yeah. to go in and go, okay, I'm going to go sign, you know, a lot of quarterbacks, yeah, some portal guys. I'm going to go get some whatever other positions they need and see what, what shakes down. Because it's like you can't, what, you can't you, have you, the whole program depend on a kid that didn't show he could do it. Right, and and plus this is this is your main guy. Like this isn't necessarily a wide receiver or a running back where you know there's million those of those out there. This is this is the this is the guy. This is the QB, and so you've got to have some decent options, especially once we're going to take care of the ball. So, so I'm sure you know they're they're you know probably on the hopper right now, calling people, you know, trying to you know make something happen. And, and, I, and I have faith. Um, I don't think it's going to be a situation that will kind of linger like, you know, Riley and, and Frost kind of regime did. Um, I think having that strong defense will, will allow us to, to be able to do some things. And we just get somebody to take care of the ball. Just that simple. We take care of the ball. We're winning nine games. I mean, that's just take care of the ball. So, you know, I, I, I think I think we're going to go in the right direction, but I'll be interested to see who we come up with as far as a QB. All right, Tony. Let me ask you this. If you 
were a college football coach today. Let's say you were in, at Nebraska, just just like you know, one of your former teammates went over there and didn't do very well. What would you do that maybe nobody's done since Osborne's been coach, or maybe they have? But what would what would be your culture? What would be your philosophy? What would be your um, like strategy in recruiting in terms of portal versus high school, Nebraska kids versus Florida kids, or you know, California kids? You know, that's <clears throat> that, that's a difficult question, to be honest, because I, I think the portal creates such a different environment now. Right. You know, I'm 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 used to my time where, you know, because bottom line, I'm going to try to sell my backyard first. I'm going to try to make sure that the kids in Nebraska understand that I want any really good kid out of Nebraska coming to Nebraska. Right. I don't I don't want to lose any of that talent. So. So that's going to be my first order of business is, is making sure that I'm seen in front of all the high school here that I'm talking to, you know, all the groups that are actually like the Warren Academies and those groups who are, who are you know, um, you know, training kids. So I don't so I don't lose any of that talent, you know, number one. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, I mean, we've, we've got to we've got to do whatever we can to to make sure we are, you know, attractive to those to those kids in the portal. Right. You know, so. Um, but again, I think this. It's different because the portal is different from having like the walk-on program be strong and and, and developing kids and that who, who really truly believe you know fully in Nebraska and are committed to stay there for years because there's always that option to go. So I, th- I think that 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 is really hard, um, you know, question to answer. But in my opinion, some of the things that Rule is doing to build up culture and and do all these positive things and putting his face out there to all these schools and and in in, uh, in Nebraska. I think he's doing the things that are going to allow us to be able to sew up our own backyard and, and not worry about kids leaving. But now we just got to make sure that, you know, we win the the six or seven or eight games that now when I call and recruit, I can say, listen, we won seven games. We're like two players away. You know, you could be that player for me. It's hard to, to say that when I'm winning three and four games, right? You know, because you know, kids just want to win now. You know, they automatically want to win. Um, and the, the, and the benefit of being in Nebraska is obviously we have a huge alumni support. You know, we have great facilities. We just built a hundred million dollar something. Um, we've got even more, um, enhancements coming to the stadium. So we've got some great things coming from that side. But, you know, again, it's about, you know, what that is, what's that experience is going to be. Um, and then making sure that people know that we've, we've got the resources that, you know, kids like and that, that will allow them to be successful. You know, we've got, you know, people who've been in the NFL, we've got, you know, Neil here, we, we've got all those things. So you got to highlight some of those things. But for me, it's really the important thing is sewing up your backyard and, and making sure that people are really, really supporting your program from home. Amen. Tony, anything you want to add? Um, well, I, here's the deal. I haven't been invited back to the golf tournament in I don't know how many years. So what's what's the deal? We're kicking all these old guys to the, the curb now. Is that is that the deal? What's are you ready for twenty twenty four? I'm just saying, like, what's the deal? Come on now. <laughs> um, no, but I'm glad to see that you're doing the podcast, man. I, you know, I've always had you know a lot of respect for you, brother, as my, as my agent. You know, because first and foremost, you were always a great guy. Um, you know, great integrity, high character, and all those type of things. So. I'm glad you're able to to give back and and reach back to the players who've you know gone through things and and pull out the positive and be able to inspire the next generation. So keep doing what you're doing, man. It's all love. 
I appreciate it, Tony. Appreciate you being on Pro Mindset. Hang tight for a second. 